Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. We hope you liked last week's podcast. We had Renee on. She shared her story from New York. She adopted children from China and Guatemala. It's a great story about adopting children with special needs and how much it changed her life. If you missed that story, you can get it on iTunes under Adoption Now. Today, we have a guest from California. We're so excited. Heather Avis joins the show. Heather is the founder of the popular Macy Makes My Day Instagram and the author of The Lucky Few. She's an adoptive mother of three. Welcome to the show, Heather. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be on. So you're an adoptive mother of three, correct? That's correct, yes. Let's talk about your journey. I know Uh, you were a teacher, and then let's go from there. Sure, my journey is that I was a teacher, and I got my credentials in special education, so I had mild to moderate and moderate to severe credentials, and the plan was I'd teach for a few years, try to get pregnant, get pregnant, have a kid, a few years later have another kid, a few years later have another kid. And it would be easy as that. And when we started down our journey towards parenthood, it didn't happen that way. And I couldn't get pregnant. And so we found ourselves on this wild and pretty awful road called infertility that led us, though, to the most wonderful place I've ever been, which is this path towards adoption. So that's the beginning And then we ended up adopting all three of our kids. The circumstances were all very different, but they're all domestic. Our eldest was at the private agency. We thought we wanted a healthy infant. And so we had this idea that when we were going to grow our family, that we would do so in a way that we would try to get a child who would be most like the child I'd give birth to if I were to give birth. Right. You Uh, wanted a perfect scenario, right? Right. Yeah. That looks more like me, healthy, you know a baby, like as little and young as possible, hopefully from the hospital, and just had me and my husband in mind. Like there was, I didn't really think about all the other players in the adoption, Mm -hmm. like birth families. And um, we end up with a private agency headed towards that goal. And they tell us about this little girl with Down syndrome who's placed in their agency. And she had all kinds of health issues, like congenital heart defects and all kinds of things going on. And they asked if we'd be interested in adopting her. I'm sorry, they didn't ask us that because they knew we weren't. (laughs) They knew we weren't because we had said no on our paperwork. So, you know, if you've adopted, and I think most people who listen to your podcast are familiar, those checklists, right? What do you want in a baby or not? And so we checked no to most of who she was on paper. Find out about her through a random conversation with our social worker, and our hearts were instantly changed. And we felt like we had this piece of information about this baby that we could not ignore, that there's this child who needed a mom and dad. and We were a mom and dad in in search of a child, and we couldn't ignore that, even though she had Down syndrome and a congenital heart defect and all these things that we weren't necessarily looking for. So very long story short, we said yes to adopting her. So were you on a vacation, right? That's right. So we were actually in Romania, and we had spent about a week there, like away from the cell service and all those kinds of things. And as soon as we got down off this mountain we were on, we got this email from the social worker. And so we're in Europe then. We had another week. My husband and I went to Greece. And for that entire week, we're just discussing this baby. And do we say yes? Do we say no? Writing pros and cons lists. 
mostly about the Down syndrome piece. I mean, we were fine with everything else she was on paper for the most part, but the Down syndrome piece and the congenital heart defect seemed really scary to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we got home from that trip, we just felt like, you know, there seems like a hundred reasons to say no to adopting this little girl or to pursuing an adoption of her, but not one was a legitimately good reason at the end of the day. Like I said, there was this baby in need of a family and we were a family in need of a baby. And that felt like it was big enough and important enough to kind of pass over all the other big, scary unknowns. There's a couple parts of that story that I find really interesting in the adoption world. We're always talking about preparing to adopt. And one of the biggest things that I find on the journey is that when you become pregnant and you're about to give birth, there's a big celebration for you as the mom. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of Mm -hmm. the focus is on you and your baby and you guys as parents And it's like a big celebration of bringing this baby into the world. And one of the things I tell people is an adoption, it's a little bit different. You're going to share that with a lot of different people. And Mm -hmm. if you feel like you want a perfect story and it's not, it can be so crushing and hard to accept. Mm -hmm. And when the baby comes into the world, it's really not about you. In fact, you're kind of the last player in the whole scenario. We're talking about birth Mm -hmm. mom. We're talking about as you guys were deciding with special needs. So we're talking about the baby, the baby's care. And so you kind of get pushed aside. And as first-time parents, that can be really, really challenging. But it sounds like you guys were getting to the place where you were saying, okay, this is not going to be about us. This is not going to be fulfilling that big dream that we had. Another thing Mm -hmm. that you say is, I love this. You talk about the gray area. You said you couldn't say no but you couldn't say yes. And so you kind of sat in this place of, I can't walk away from this situation, but I don't know if we're equipped or I don't know if we should say yes. And so you were going back and forth. And oftentimes a lot of families are kind of stuck in that gray area. Do you have any advice for someone in that place? Yeah, I think for us, what it looked like, especially with our first adoption was the idea that we knew yes was not the answer we wanted to give, but we weren't going to say no. And so, so it seems very contradictory and confusing, which it all is very confusing in those kinds of circumstances. And what that looks like for us and what I encourage people to do is it just is one step forward. And I think that when we're planning anything for our life, and especially the growth of our family, no matter how it finds us, we want to have a plan. Like we want to know what's to come as far in advance as possible. And the reality is, especially in adoptions, I think, and with any child, really, you just don't get that luxury often. And so you don't have to know what's going to come tomorrow even. It's not two steps ahead, it's one. And sometimes it's not even a step. It's I'm going to lift up my foot and we're going to see where it falls. And it's that lifting up of your foot, one foot in front of the other, one decision at a time, one scary hoop to jump through at a time. You don't have to know what's happening two steps ahead. You just have to know what's happening in that one step. And then those steps are going to lead you where you need to be led, I believe. I agree. I agree. So you guys decide, yes, you're going to say yes. And so you come home from this vacation and do you call your agency right away? We do. Uh-huh. I call our social worker right away and find out. So in the email that we had had, there were two babies with Down syndrome who had been placed in the agency. And so we say, hey, we're actually interested. Can you tell us more? And we find out that while we were gone that week and making a decision, because we hadn't talked to our social worker and let her know we were interested and she wouldn't have assumed we were because we had said no on paper to all that. The one baby had been placed already in another home, and the other one who would end up being our daughter, they had just discovered this incredibly rare 
and serious lung condition, and they had just discovered her heart defect and how serious it was. And so they weren't placing her. I think she was six weeks old at the time, and they weren't planning on placing her because they had just found these things out. And so my husband and I hang up the phone and we're like, wait a second, what just happened? Like we just spent this whole week trying to decide, are we gonna do this, are we not? Are we gonna do this, are we not? And now what if we don't get a kid with Down syndrome? And when we said those words, we looked at each other like, okay, everything's changed. Did you hear what we just said? Like our hearts are totally changed. You guys were in it. We were in it, we were in it, yeah. And so we sat around for a while thinking about her sort of, but this is the other piece of an adoption, at least with our experience, that I feel like you can't really sit and wait and think about what's to come because then you'll just sit and wait and miss out on all of life because it's so unexpected. You know what I mean? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so with that baby, it's like, okay, well, we found out about this baby. Well, I guess it's not our baby. We'll just keep moving on. And from time to time, I think about her, but I wasn't planning on her, you know? So we end up getting a phone call and they had a better understanding of who she was and her health issues. And they said, hey, we know more about this baby. Are you still interested in adopting her or finding out more? And we were, we were. So we stepped into an office and learned like the extent of her health issues. And it's a long story, girl. And it was a bumpy, bumpy ride. When did you first get to see her? Our first meeting with her was on an accident. And we didn't know what we were going to do because of the extent of all her health issues. They were really serious. And so... We were Googling things and talking to our friends who work in the medical field and our social workers said, hey, look, since you can't decide, why don't you meet with her doctors who know her case, meet her cardiologist, she has an appointment and they'll know more about what's going on with her and then you can meet after that. And so with this private agency, there was this idea that if once you see an actual physical human baby, then chances are rationale's out the door, right? Like mm-hmm. it's an emotional thing. You want a baby. Oh my gosh, give me that baby. Mm-hmm. So she was trying to set it up so that we weren't going to see her. We were just going to talk with the doctor before making this decision. Time to protect our hearts. And when we got to the hospital, she had yet to be seen by, had this procedure down, which is like a 45 minute procedure and had yet to see the doctor. So we we're just sitting in the parking lot and the social worker was like, Hey, do you guys want to come in and hang out here with her? And it was like, yes, of course. But I was also very careful. My husband and I both like had this pep talk with one another where we had to really separate our head from our heart. And we had to go in like, this is not our baby. This is a baby. And we're going to learn more about this baby. And maybe we will say yes to adopting her. Maybe not. Like we really had to show up around our heart. And so the first day I met her, we walk up to the children's hospital, second floor of the children's hospital. And this is just a room full of all these kids and parents and social workers and nurses. And there's this sweetest, kindest woman who has a foster mother holding this tiny baby with like a shocking amount of hair. She, mm-hmm. she had more hair than I'd ever seen on any baby in my whole life. And I walk over and she says, this is, she had a different name at the time. This is Savannah and handed her to me. And there I was holding this little baby. That was the day I met my daughter. <laughs> what did you feel like? I mean, at that moment, were you separating your head and your heart? You know, I really was. I can say honestly that I was. I mean, there were moments where I was like, okay, like trying to envision it. And I wish that I could say, and I think what I was hoping for was like a love at first sight connection. Like mm-hmm. it's like no doubt in my mind, this is my kid, but that didn't happen. I didn't have that feeling when we actually said goodbye to the foster mom and we stayed back to talk to the doctor. I said goodbye to the baby and I just like gave her a little hug and put her back in her shoulder and they walked away. And I thought I may never see that baby again. 
and that the thought of that didn't crush me. Mm-hmm. And I think I wanted it to. I wanted it like a right that moment. Yeah, that moment. And we didn't have that. And I think it's because it was our. I mean, there's so many reasons. I'm sure. And it was our first adoption, and she was so sick. It was a really serious yes to be making. It was going to change our life forever, and we didn't have to. We could have very easily waited for this healthy infant that we had planned on having. You know. I feel very connected to your story. And the first time that we talked, mm-hmm. I mean, you and I just connected deeply about parenting and just about children. And I connect to your story because we were also first time parents that showed up to a hospital with a very, very sick baby with a very rough prognosis. And I too held him and thought, I don't know. I thought I was going to feel mm-hmm. something really special and amazing. And I feel really overwhelmed is what I feel. And mm. we brought him home. And I remember the moment that I knew that I was going to fight for this baby is when our agency called us and said, the birth mom has visited us. And I said, oh, is she thinking of changing her mind? And, and the social worker said, well, wouldn't that be great? And I was like crushed to a million wow. pieces. Absolutely not. I mean, I want this baby to stay with me is how I felt. And I knew at that moment, and she was not coming to the agency to, to change her mind, but I just knew at that moment, he was my son. There was no, ah, and there were with my other ones, my other children. Mm. I mean, I've had moments like that where I knew instantly, but with him, it's just different. I think you're not used to the adoption process. You're not used to being a parent. You know, you didn't know what to expect. And so here you are just kind of lifting up your foot to the next thing. And so you walk away and then what? And then we, we hop in the car and go to Costco because that was the plan. And we get to the Costco parking lot and we're just hysterical because the doctor that we met with afterwards, he just looked at us and said, this baby is really sick and We'll do heart surgery, but we don't know if it's going to help. Her lung condition is so severe. If the heart surgery doesn't help resolve it, then we're looking at like five to eight years best at life. She's really sick. And my husband and I just left the hospital like wanting to say no, but knowing we couldn't. And again, just taking those steps. And we just sat in the car and cried and cried and cried. Like, what are we supposed to do now? And my husband and I are people of faith. And we just said, hey, you know what? I really felt like God was handing us a gift. Mm-hmm. And we were unwrapping it and going, this isn't what I asked for. And that just felt so foolish and silly. And, you know, if we got to spend one day as her parents or an entire lifetime, what an honor, what a privilege, mm-hmm. what a gift. And so we never even went into Costco. We went and called our social worker and said, yes, we're going to adopt her. And it was an interesting moment for me as a mom, because when we had started the process to grow our family, I was so excited about the day where I'd take a positive pregnancy test and I'd like do one of those fun Pinteresty things with it. Like, I don't know, some kind of a reveal to my family that I'm pregnant. Like, guess what? You're going to be grandmas and aunties and all mm-hmm. the things. And then when we started the adoption process, I realized that that was not going to happen. Or once I went through my infertility, rather, sorry, that wasn't going to happen. So then it kind of shifted to this dream of we get that call from our social worker, right? And then we say, guess what? We got a call. You're going to be a grandma. And what I was hoping would be like a shout from the rooftop became this real weepy whisper of, yes, we'll adopt this baby. And then calling parents like, oh my gosh, guess what? You're going to be a grandma. Followed by just a giant explanation of what was going on. And we were really lucky to have everyone meet us with positivity and embracing what was ahead. Really everybody in our life did. There was no one who said this is a mistake. You shouldn't do this. And I have friends who have not had as pleasant experiences with their family. So we're really grateful for that. 
but it was heavy. It is heavy. I am so in the story, like bawling and (laughs) just can relive so many things. And what it's like to call your family and say, we're getting a baby and the baby isn't healthy. And we don't know what this looks like. And looking back at that now, and I'm sure you can say this too as a mom, I should have just been so happy because Mm -hmm. my son is the greatest joy as a son. I mean, he's just an amazing kid and life without him would be so empty. And so I should have just been really happy. Like we can do this, but you're, you don't know what you don't know. I mean, it's just so scary to think, I don't know how I'm going to be equipped to do this, but God does equip you. And I'm thankful that your family was so supportive. So no one said, but you don't have to do this. No one said that. There were a couple of people who are like far enough extended family that it doesn't really matter. Right. We're just like, wow, this is confusing. Tell me more kind of things. And there was a moment with my mom where she was like, Heather, you don't have to do this. I look back at it and we've talked about it since that I'm her child and she is thinking of me first. Yes. And wanting to protect me Mm -hmm. from what could end in ultimate heartache because we don't know. And that's where all the arrows are pointing, you know? And so she wanted to protect me. And I just had to say, mom, you raised me to be who I am. I have a good head on my shoulders. You have to trust that this decision is being made with a lot of thought and not just emotion. And you have to trust me right now. And she said, you're right. And she fully did and fully embraced. And so there was like a few days there that just felt really foggy, really gray and really heavy, even as we were preparing to bring our daughter home. And then I don't even know what it was really, but once we all fully accepted what was happening and then started, we did a slow transition with her from foster home to coming home. Once we had that like first night or those first few hours in the foster home with this baby who is now our daughter, right? Like she was no longer that baby at the doctor's office. She was our daughter. Everything just lifted and it just became so joy filled and so meeting all these expectations I had had in wanting to be a mom that they were starting to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And it was really special. And I'm so thankful for it. How old was she when you started that transition? She was three months old. Had she already had heart surgery? She had had one procedure that was less invasive where it was maybe not outpatient. Maybe she stayed like a night and they went and through her side called a PDA ligation. It's a super common surgery. So it's six weeks old when we had first learned about her. She went and had that surgery right after that. And then she came home like a day shy at three months old. And then one month later had open heart surgery. Okay. So I don't know much about Down syndrome babies. Did you say that she had like oxygen because she had the Mm -hmm. heart condition or lung condition? And what did she come Mm -hmm. home with? I mean, what was it like bringing her home? Yeah, about 50 to 60% of babies born with Down syndrome have a congenital heart defect. And usually that looks like nothing until they need to have heart surgery. So the first few months of their life are usually, you wouldn't necessarily know that they have a major heart defect. And then they start showing signs of heart failure and then a surgery schedule and then heart's fixed. It's pretty common these days, pretty simple stuff for cardiologists. But Mason had something called pulmonary hypertension. So that is like high blood pressure in her lungs and the heart defect. And so she came home on oxygen because of the pulmonary hypertension and two medications because of that and a medication for her heart. And she was, Super, super small. I think at three months old, she was about nine pounds. And they wanted her to get a little bit bigger and a little bit heavier before doing surgery. So she was totally in limbo because of all the adoption things going on. People saying, like, who's in charge here? Mm -hmm. And I remember 
our first full day as her parents. So she came home, placement days, and the next morning we had an appointment with her heart surgeon to schedule open heart surgery. And we're sitting in this room, and he's kind of flustered because he's on his way to do a heart transplant for a baby. And, the, and like, he was waiting for the heart to arrive so he could do his transplant, which was just, like, welcome to this weird, wild world. And the social worker was there and this other person, and he is telling about surgery, and he looks around, and he's like, wait a second, who's in charge here? It was just this moment. Like, he had seen so many people come and go. Right. And my husband and I, like, shy, like, coyly raise our hands. <laughs> And he just said, this is amazing. This is amazing what you guys are doing. And we had this really sweet connection with our heart surgeon. That is so awesome. We also had that as well, because really they want the child to have a parent. And so when they're looking around for a social worker or someone to stand up for this child and there's no one there, it's hard for them to kind of go back and forth on what they should do for the baby. And so the fact that you guys stepped in, I'm sure made the whole staff so happy and made it so much easier for the baby. Someone needs to be there for the baby. I, I say that a lot. And we said yes to, and you're going to go on with your story and you'll have more stories as well. But I mean, for us, that wasn't our first traumatic story. Same with you. And so the next time when we were there, it was easier for us to be like, this is what this child needs. And we had so many nurses on our second one was exposed. And so she spent some time detoxing and they said, it's so heartbreaking when there's no one here. There's no one here to hold the baby, only us nurses, and there's no one here to answer questions, and there's no one here to help us, and so the baby will stay in the hospital so much longer. And so the fact that you were there, I mean, I can just see on a, on a medical perspective, they were like, yay, someone here to love this baby and someone here to really take, you know, initiative. And so it's just an amazing part of your story that you guys got to be that. You know, people always say, you're amazing, but for us adoptive parents, we get to be that. We get to fill that role. And that is an honor. Agreed. It is an unbelievable honor. And even, like I talked to parents, we know a lot of parents have kids with Down syndrome, not adopted, just natural born, and their kids have to have heart surgeries. It's like, I get that this seems terrifying, but there's something really honoring about getting to be the person who's the parent in the situation and getting to experience and watch this child who is so sick go through this surgery and then become whole and healthy. And it's just quite an incredible experience to get to witness. We felt that's the, that's the perfect word is honored. I felt so honored to be her mother in that hospital room and in the waiting room during the surgery and, and in the hospital room while she was healing. It was incredible. Okay, Heather, we have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about your other two adoptions. Stay tuned as we talk more about Heather's story. You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. Hi, this is April Fallon, the host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. We're going through some changes at Adoption Now. We're working on a new website and changing around our podcast just a bit. We love all of your feedback, ideas for shows, and applications to be on the show. Email us anytime at april at adoption-now.com. We would love for you to subscribe to Adoption Now podcast by clicking on the subscribe button on iTunes. Then you'll get a new story as soon as the podcast is released. Again, thank you for listening to Adoption Now. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today, we're talking to adoptive mother, Heather Avis from California, 
Heather is the founder of the popular Macy Makes My Day Instagram and the author of The Lucky Few. And her story is amazing. She talks about how her and her husband have struggled with infertility. They decided to adopt. And in her mind, she's imagining this perfect story. This baby comes into her life and it's a big celebration. And what happened is they said yes to a child that had Down syndrome. And it was a slow celebration And she's coming to the point in her story where she is in the hospital with this baby in and out. The baby needs a lot of care. And she's finding her place as a mother and also finding it not to be something great that she's doing, but something that's honorable to her. And something is coming out of you in the story that you didn't know was in there, Heather. That's so true. There were lots of moments my husband and I were like, wow, we're doing this. Like it felt... I got a body and I felt really powerful. <laughs> like I can do this and life goes on and, and I'm playing it at being a mom in a hospital with my baby. It was amazing. So yeah, she comes home and it's scary to bring a baby home who's just had open heart surgery, but she healed and she got better and her heart got better, but she was still on oxygen. And so for the next two years, a little more than actually two years, we continued to go see her pulmonologist who was her specialty doctor with her lung condition and kept being told it's not better, it's not better, it's not better. And then one day we go and she walks in the door and says her pulmonary hypertension is gone. Take off her oxygen. It was December 15th, 2010. And we just celebrated and cried and just got to be in a front row seat to this miracle. Again, it was such an honor to get to do that. We had gotten used to the oxygen. The thing about Mason, our daughter on oxygen, was we could do life pretty normally. There was very little we couldn't do. We couldn't fly. That was one of the only things we couldn't do. But besides that, we did life pretty normally with the baby on oxygen. And she was seemingly very healthy, except she had to be on oxygen and some medication. So we took her off her oxygen and for the next six months, weaned her off the medications. And she is nine years old today, totally healthy, we see pulmonology once every two years and cardiology once every two years. And they both are just like, she's great. Get out of here. See you in a couple of years. It's such a privilege and honor to get to take that journey and be a witness to what her life has been and knowing it's going to continue to be miraculous. There are going to be some people who are listening to the show and they're like, I could never. And then there are going to be some people who are like, absolutely, I want this. I mean, my heart is breaking. I feel called to this. Tell me what it's like to raise a child that has Down syndrome. I think raising a child who has Down syndrome is a lot like raising a child. It is way more normal and way more alike than not. I also say to people, the hardest thing about Down syndrome has nothing to do with Down syndrome and everything to do with the world and a society that has yet to accept people with Down syndrome and see their worth. So the places that get tricky are when we step into systems like schools, extracurricular, even churches that are like these established systems that aren't used to a child who is different. And so there's not a space for that child. But our day-to-day is so very much like any other kid. We do school and dance class and tutoring and homework and bath time and all those things. And granted, my oldest daughter She has some different like sensory things or gets overwhelmed or can't communicate as clearly as maybe my neurotypical child. And so sometimes that looks like flopping on the ground at the aquarium in the middle of the day and she's like dead weight on the ground. 
the drop and flop, we call it, or it looks like refusing to do certain things. And so, yeah, those things are challenging. But if anything, Down syndrome is such a gift to this world. People with Down syndrome are some of the most incredible, the bravest, the most compassionate people I've ever got to know. And I'm so thankful that I have kids with Down syndrome. And if you're terrified about it, you're probably more terrified about the unknown and the unexpected than you are actually scared of Down syndrome. Right, right. Okay, so let's talk about baby number two. So second adoption, we knew we wanted to grow our family. And the next time around, as an adoptive parent, things had just changed for me. And so the first time around, I wanted to adopt to grow my family. That was my main goal. And like I had talked about, wanting a healthy infant and all those things. And the next time around, I recognized adoption is about a lot more than just growing my family. That this idea of a child needing a home is really significant and important and a role that we should be stepping into. And so we went with our local county, which is free, which was also a big deciding factor at that time. I'd been a stay-at-home mom for the last few years. But county kids are riskier because they're born with drug exposure and utero at best is what they tell you in the classes. And there's a lot of, there can be a lot more trauma and you're not necessarily going to get an infant and all these pieces to a county adoption that felt really risky. But we were just arms wide open. Whatever child God has for us is the child who's going to give us, obviously, because we're our first. So we're just going to go into it that way. And we do the whole thing, the paperwork, the classes, all the stuff and the hoops you got to jump through. And we get a phone call about a year and a half after we started the process about a little girl who all they knew was birth mother's Guatemalan, no drug exposure in utero. We got the call when she was about five and a half months old. And she was considered adoptable. She had spent those first five and a half months in a foster home. She went from the hospital placement into foster placement. And would we want to adopt her? And we said, yes, absolutely. And so a couple of weeks later, we bring her home. Her name is Truly. And we bring her home and find out we did a DNA test, but also just from the way she looks, find out she's African-American and Guatemalan. And we now have this totally healthy, no special needs, very active, very spicy little six-month-old girl who rocked my world because she is nothing like the child I know how to parent, and I now have to learn how to parent all over again. Right. (laughs) Which I'm sure is the case people who have children naturally as well. And she's a challenge. She's a challenging kid. (laughs) Much more challenging than Down syndrome. That's very interesting to hear you say that. And it's just an interesting dynamic as well because... I'm sure when you go out to eat, people are watching you, right? Because you now became an interracial family, but you also have Down syndrome in your family. And so people are probably trying to figure that all out wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I mean, I can are. say that because i that's what we live in as well. I mean, not Down syndrome, but we're just a bunch of different ethnicities and everyone's like, what is happening there? Yeah, we've had people come over to our house to like install something and the kids are running around like, do you run a daycare or something? Oh, yeah. Like, first of all, there are only three kids here. And no, I just have kids who don't look like me. <laughs> yeah, we get a lot yeah. of funny things too. But I think that was one thing that was a shock is how much it changes your life to become an interracial family or just a family that looks different can be many different ways that you look different. Doesn't necessarily have to be with ethnicity, but it stops you and go, oh yeah, I said yes. I said yes to a Mm -hmm. lot of different things. And I said yes to things for the rest of my life. 
you know, this is not going to go away and this is not easy at times, but it's wonderful. I mean, it's what we chose. I just think if you're thinking about expanding your family and you're open to anything, just remember that you're going to possibly have to answer some questions to some other people. Okay. So child number three. Okay. So child number three is our son, August. And so we have two kids. This is the story. It's 2013 and we have two kids and they're five and three and I'm at my maximum capacity. I've got this five-year-old who has all kinds of helplessness and then a three-year-old who is bouncing off the walls. I cannot even control her. She's wild. I guess she was two and a half at the time. And I know we want a third kid, but I felt maxed out. So we started the process again with the county thinking it'd be at least a year, if not longer, before we'd get a call for a placement. And maybe in that time, I'd be ready, whatever ready means to the parent. And the next day, I get this phone call from a girlfriend who had interacted with a birth mother who was seven months pregnant and the baby in her womb has Down syndrome and a congenital heart defect. And she was going to be a single mom. She had two older kids and she just felt that the best choice she could make for this baby would be an adoption plan. And so she chose an adoption plan for him and, and my friend's like, you should call her. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. This is seriously the worst timing. Like, there's no possible way I can add a third child to my life right now. I am so maxed out. And we called her. And two months later, our son was born. And we just got to have a really different experience that we never thought we'd have with being at doctor's appointments with a birth mother and hearing my son's heartbeat in utero, which I didn't have with my girls, and getting to be there the day he was born, not at the birth, but a few hours later and getting to hold my son the first day of his life. Things that I had really let go of as an adoptive mom, and was so thankful to get to have, like you don't know what you're missing, kind of a thing. And we're just holding this newborn baby, thinking this is so freaking sweet to get to have a newborn baby. And he was really good, so that was helpful. And then walking with a birth mom, you know, like being side by side with this woman who was going to hand her baby over to me and walk away and just how heavy that was. And it was a very different experience than our daughters. Talk about when you walked out of the hospital with her. What realization did you have? Right. So at this point, you know, third kid in, I'm a big fan of birth families. I'm a big fan of birth moms and just have the utmost respect for them. And I'm really grateful we have a good relationship with two of our three kids' birth families. And so we're there in the hospital with her and she's with her mother and her two sisters. And I have two sisters. We just got, we have these like commonalities and we've spent this almost 48 hours together in this just sweet space with a newborn baby and like getting to know each other and changing diapers and formula and all the different things for this tiny baby and passing them around. And then she has to go and she's discharged and he's not, he ended up getting some jaundice and had to stay an extra night. And so it's time to go. And she takes her son and her mom holds him and her sisters hold him and kiss him and everyone's crying. And then she like hugs and kisses him and holds him and is weeping and then hands him to my husband and we all walk out the door. And from there to the car, there was just no words. It was like very loud sobs from all of us. And we get to the car and it was like a cold, it was December in California, but it was still like pretty chilly out and a little bit drizzly. And we just give each other a big hug goodbye. And we just hold each other. And she just says, I love him so much. And she's crying. And she says, take good care of him. 
And, and I mean, what am I supposed to say? You know, like she hands me her baby. I just told her I love her and she can see me anytime she wants and thank you and how brave she is. And so it was one of the most emotional experiences of my life and something that I don't know that I'd ever want to relive. It was so hard, but it was so appropriate to be in that space with her to see what was happening in her world that day. And such a really strange thing as an adoptive parent to hold like that utter beauty and that utter despair at the exact same time Mm -hmm. and not to wish either away, Mm -hmm. Um, just to let them be. You're just sitting in this really uncomfortable place where you are changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how we felt. We started off so similar like you and your husband and, you know, we were excited to meet our birth mother, but she ended up not being a part of our story. And then, you know, we kind of went through all these different hoops. And the time that we were in the hospital with our first birth mother, it just changed me so much. I was so sad for her. I was so, mm-hmm. like, I wish I could have done anything to take that pain away. But then I realized she is placing mm-hmm. her baby with me. It's just such a weird place to be in. And I think when people avoid it, you're missing out on a huge opportunity to really understand adoption. Yeah, I agree. So how is he now? So he had a digital heart attack, like I said, and he had heart surgery at four months old and everything went like textbook. He was great. He was home with three or four days later and he is amazing. He just started preschool and he's in a general education preschool classroom, fully included, and he is rocking it. He is like such a dream. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, and we see his birth mom and her family once or twice a year, usually on his birthday. And how do all three kids get along? They get along just like you would think siblings get along. Truly in August, my younger two have a much closer relationship than August and Mason. And then Truly has a good relationship with Mason as well. I think that's kind of the middle child role anyway, to like be that right. friend to both the older and younger siblings. And they really, they get along really very well and they love each other so much and they have a blast together and then they're siblings. So they fight and they irritate each other and they find ways to get under each other's skin and they do all the things that brothers and sisters do. I think you're ready for child number four. No way, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I could talk to you all day long. I love hearing your story and really how much you encompass the whole adoption story and just the way that... Adoption changed you because I relate to that as well. And I believe that adoption is intended to change people. You can't go in it and come out of it the same. And so seeing that transformation in you, I see in so many parents. And I just think it's the beauty of adoption. It's hard. It's challenging. It's beautiful. It's amazing. But at the end of the day, it's just a true miracle what happens in the inside of parents. That's what God has intended. And no one prepares for that when they're ready to go through it. You know, you don't think I am going to be an amazing person after this. And you're not, you don't feel like that afterwards, but you really just feel like, wow, the person I was when I started this journey and now unbelievable. And I get to be the mom of these kids. How can somebody find you? You can find me at heatheravis.com and there's links to my book and my blog. And then on Instagram, like you said, we are at Macy makes my day. And on Facebook, we are The Lucky Few. And The Lucky Few is about your adoption journey? Right. The Lucky Few is the title of my book. And it's about this idea that 
very few of us actually step into places that are seemingly terrifying and totally out of our plans, such as Down syndrome and adoption. And so when you do step into those places, you realize just how lucky you are to be there. So that's the lucky few. That is so awesome. Heather, thank you so much for your time and coming on and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. It's really been a pleasure. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.